I started to track them. And so since 2001, I did my first side project in 2001, and I'm up to 98 now. But that's just side projects. That's not including all the stuff because I've had jobs at startups and I worked at agency for a real long time as well. And so that's not including all the stuff I do during the day. There's probably another 50, 100 or so <laughs> projects that I've worked on over the years as well. Wow. And how are you so prolific? I, I just really like making stuff. And I've been doing it. Like I started playing around with c- computers when I was about eight, when, when I was about eight years old. So I've been doing this for a really long time. And so over the years, it's just, it's just got to the point where I can just make things really quickly without really putting too much thought into it, I think. Right. And what was your first side project? I built, so this, again, this is going back to 2000. So you have to kind of put it into, have to put it into context. So back in, back in 2000 and, and earlier, it's very hard online to find a lot of information, right? I built a website that tracked football matches in terms of who, who had played who and who won most matches and what the scores were and who won most games and all sorts of stuff like that. And again, like these days, it's all on the BBC, it's on ESPN, it's on, it's all, there's like a thousand really, really big sports organizations that have sites online where you can access all of these stats and, 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 and so stuff like that. Back in 2000, there wasn't any of that. <laughs> so, so, so that was my first thing that I was just, I was really into, I still am into, you know, I watched the, I watched the English Premier League still. And, uh, and so, so I was a big, I was a big football fan. It was just annoying to me that I couldn't, I couldn't easily find out who was playing this week versus next week and what their schedule was. I couldn't find all that stuff online. And, and so I built a very simple site way back in 2000 to kind of collect all that information and to, and to make it so that you could, you know, depending on who your team was, you could easily like filter down and see who was playing who and, and kind of what the scores were and kind of, kind of all that kind of stuff. Nice. Which is your favorite football team? So I've been a Liverpool fan since I moved to England. So yes, I've been wow. a Liverpool long time. <laughs> nice. And taking a step back, so with your first side project, there must have been a process that you took to build the side project and then maybe launch it. And now that you've done so many times, how has that process evolved? I mean, it's changed a lot just because technology has changed, right? Like back then, again, going back to the beginning, back how you built a website and how you hosted a website it's nothing like it is now. So obviously with things like cloud hosting to just, just be able to spin up a server really quickly and to add a site to it is really, really, really just takes a point and a click. You don't have to go in and edit any files and, you know, update the web server and all that kind of stuff. It's, so it's, it's got to the point now where what used to take me, like it would take weeks to kind of like set up a server and configure the web server and the the database server and everything else that you need to to get set up and installed, you can now just literally just you code to a service and you just point and click and it just all happens kind of almost automatically. So that, that stuff's got a lot easier. And then obviously just in terms of like how you build websites as well now, there's, there, there's, there's a lot of frameworks and things that you can use now to make all of that stuff really easy as well. There's just a lot of the infrastructure stuff that you used to have to code all yourself and you have to write a lot of code manually. These days, there's, there's, there's things that just give you such a head start now that, that, you, can, that you can build things and kind of launch things in, in a much shorter amount of time because, because a lot of the stuff that 
you know, kind of every site needs, they kind of have that or, or already built in. And then you just have to kind of add the specific functionality for the actual site that you're actually working on instead. Right. And can you spend some time on different ideas that you have worked on over the years? So the one that people might have heard of, because just because it had the most traffic and everything like that. So about three years ago, I built a website called Will Robots Take My Job? And it was it was a very simple website where a friend of mine found a report that was published by some researchers at the University of Cambridge, I think it was over in England, which just they had done the, the sort of research of to do these jobs, you need these skills. And these skills can get kind of automated away because of AI, because of robotics and things like that. So they did all the research and they basically put some percentage numbers next to, I mean, they studied 750 different jobs that people had. And then they put a percentage like by in the next 20 years, these jobs will have this percentage chance of being automated away. And so it was a very long report and very hard to read. So we built a website that took all of those stats, extracted it out of the report, put together a nice little easy to access website. You just punched in the job that you had and we pulled in some extra information about like what the average salary for that particular job was, all sorts of things like that. We, we pulled that from the US Department of Labor has some stats that they publish every few years as well. So we kind of merged those two bits of information together, made a website out of it, and we kind of launched that. I mean, we, we, we built it in like two weekends worth of work. And it, it just kind of went insane, like, because it was just the right time. People were just like really curious about AI and what the, what the risks of work, people losing their jobs because of automation. And I think we did four million pages in the first week that it was live. It was on MSN. It was on, it was on MSNBC. It was on like a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of like just kind of really large scale sites. And it was on like radio stations all over the country kind of as well and stuff like that. So this, that was, that was, that was one that I did that uh, that just kind of just exploded way, way much larger than I ever thought it would be because it was just a quick little fun thing that we <laughs> kind of worked on. And then, I mean, other ones that I've done have been things that I've done, you know, ones that were worth talking about, at least are things that I've done with other people because they came to me, they're like, uh, Mubs, I've got this idea, but, you know, I don't know how to code, uh, but I'd like to build this thing. Can we build it? And so, like, I built, well, I, 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 I helped start as a side project for me, there's a company called Q, so it's Q-U-U-U.co, <laughs> Q.co, and it's a social media automation tool, so it helps people or businesses who are looking for content to share on social media, and so that was a side project for me. It's turned into a full-time job for Dan and Matt, who, who were now working on the idea full-time. And so it was, again, I think we built that one in probably a couple of months worth of work because it was a, a, a little bit more complex. Well, actually, it was a couple of weeks, like four weeks, though, to build the sort of actual MVP that we launched. And then we kind of worked on it after that, too. But so, so that was that was just kind of a, a project that I built to, to kind of help Dan and Matt kind of start off the process of, of kind of building Q. They went out and used the MVP that we built. To, to go and pay some money and they have investors and now it's like I said, it's kind of a full-time thing wow. for them. But that one's about five years old now as well. So that one's been around for a while as well. I mean, and just more recently, like, I mean, like I just 
like two weeks ago while the election was happening over here in the States, I built a very simple site that uh, it just kind of showed people how many people had voted in this particular, in this particular election in different parts of the country. So in each state, it was, I was, I was curious to know if people were participating in the election, if they were interested in the election. <laughs> and so, so I sat down one morning and I just, I, I, I found that this information was available through various places because I mean, ultimately all the, all the numbers for the elections have to be reported out because it's just public information. And so I found some places that were already kind of aggregating the information, but they weren't showing it in a very helpful and very interesting way. So I built a website called how many people, how many people voted.com, <laughs> which just, which just, it, it just answers that question. It just tells you that there's this many people in the country, this many people are old enough to, to kind of, and in the 2020 election, this is how many people have actually voted. And then it breaks it down per state as well. So you can kind of get an idea of how, how many people are actually in, involved and stuff. And, and, and these are kind of like, that, that was a fun side project because right. I was curious and everybody else was curious about the election too. When I built that site, it took me about two hours to build that site. I launched it, and yeah, I wasn't expecting much because you know because it was just a stupid little site. But in the in the week that it was live, because I built it, I built it on the Saturday before the election happened, and then the election got called on the on the following Saturday. And in in so in that one week that it was live, it had I think thirteen thirteen thousand people had come. Wow. to the site and so for two hours work it's not too bad <laughs> right and we are talking about almost 150 different ideas so is there a process <laughs> that you follow for idea generation is that a journal you keep or you have a built-in framework to generate these ideas i have ideas all the time and i, I don't necessarily go and look for ideas but i see them everywhere i built about this sort of election it was like i wasn't looking for that idea but it was like Oh, I'm curious in this. I want to answer this question. I bet other people are interested as well, right? Like, I mean, it's it's that that kind of thing. But there's ways that you can you can look at your. I mean, if you're looking for like a proper kind of business idea, then you can just as you're doing your work, like look at the things that you're you, that you're doing repetitively every day, the things that land in your inbox every day, like is. Are there things that you can help with in terms of automation, in terms of if people are manually doing things, can you kind of automate the width out of that as well? So that's where I kind of look for like proper kind of business ideas. When it comes to a lot of my side project ideas, those are just like, they're, they're curiosities in terms of, I wonder what the answer to this is, and I wonder how you could solve this problem, or I wonder how you could deal with this. Normally I have a, I have a, Trello board now I used to have like a, a physical notebook that I used to write all of my ideas in and I moved them all to this Trello board that I have and so whenever I have an idea I don't I don't always just kind of work on it straight away I, I do put it into a Trello board and then I do think about like is that something that I can actually build how long would it take what 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 do I need to to create that idea like is is there some information that I need that I don't have can 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 I find it somewhere is it available for free is it expensive you you kind of have to do an evaluation of what's the feasibility of actually being able to make that idea kind of real 
and then yeah. they, based on that and based on how much time you have, that that's that everybody has to make that choice of whether we're actually going to work on it or not. Mm. And do you have a process for idea validation, or is that like you feel like if you can build an idea during a weekend and you can throw it <laughs> in the marketplace and let the marketplace decide yeah. whether that's useful or not? I think that that's really what it comes down to. Like if it's if it's going to be like a a project that's going to take you six months to build, you have to work on it full time for six months to kind of build it. Then, you, then take a week, try and find the people who you think would would kind of want that particular product would would be customers for that product. Try and talk to them, find them. If there's a forum or a community that you can join, if there's a subreddit that you can kind of hang out at and kind of talk to potential customers, find out if they actually are having that, that pain that you think that you can solve, then absolutely talk to them and see if it's worth spending that six months to actually create the thing. But sort of on the other side, if it's going to take you a couple of weeks even to kind of build something and launch it, I always find that the, that the feedback that you get is a lot more accurate. It's a lot more honest if you actually show somebody a functioning thing as opposed to I've got this idea for something, I think it'll do this and this is what it might look like. People will just, you know, sort of um and ah and they'll, they don't necessarily always give you accurate kind of information. But if you, if you put them in front of a functioning product, then, then usually the feedback you get is kind of a lot more accurate in terms of what, even if it's, even if it's not perfect in terms of it doesn't have all the features that you need, it, I find it's easier for people to tell you why they wouldn't use it because because they've sat down and tried to use it, and then obviously you can kind of make whatever updates that you need to make as well. And like I said, and that's often faster than actually trying to find people and try and talk to people and try and schedule and try and have phone calls and exchange emails and things like that. If you can do that in a couple of weeks anyway, then then why not just create the thing and launch it and see what happens right and when did you come across product hunt and how important has it been for you as a platform for not only launching your products but as a community in general i think i actually i think i tweeted recently because i was trying to figure out when i signed up and i think they added it onto their (laughs) site recently so it's i joined in june of 2024 14. I, I think it's always important to find people who have the same interests as you and want to do the same things as you and want to learn the same things that you want to learn just so you know, kind of everybody can learn t- 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 together and do the same thing. So as a community, it's been amazing. Like, I mean, a lot of the things that I've built over the years have been with people that I've met on product time. Some of the ideas which aren't mine, they had awesome ideas like Q was not my idea. That was Dan and Matt's idea, and and I met and I met Dan through Parallelton on a sort of personal level. It's just been great. I got recognised as Maker of the Year in 2016 as well. So just just to just to have uh, have Parallelton and the community kind of give me that recognition, I think is has been has been pretty awesome as well. Right. And you have been there a long time. So how has that community evolved over the years? I mean, it's got much larger just because, <laughs> you know, they've, they've, been, they've been around for a while now. And it's obviously a very active site. There's lots of people who kind of visit that site every day and everything like that. They've kind of become a little bit more mainstream just in terms of kind of who's on the site. And, and it's not just, not just the 
hikers who hang out there anymore as well. So in, in some ways that's, that's awesome because obviously you're, you're being, your products and things like that are being exposed to a lot more people and you're able to kind of interact with a lot more people as well. It's not quite as intimate as it used to be. Like I, we used to know, I mean, like most people who are very active on product used to know everybody else who was very active on product as well. It's not quite that, it's not quite that small anymore. So it's, it's a little harder to kind of stay kind of in sync with kind of everything that's happening, but it's an awesome place to kind of launch your product and get really good feedback as well. Right. And what are some of the ideas that you thought were just building for fun? And uh, looking back, they have become big in terms of maybe revenues or traffic. Well, I mean, Q, like I said, I mean, that was that was one that didn't really, I didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen with that. It was kind of, a, who you know, we weren't quite sure if people would want uh, us to help them automate their social media. So that was, that was an interesting one. So that one, that one was pretty good. So I guess... Even longer back than that, probably even before my product on time, I built the first version of a content management system called Statomic that I built with a friend of mine. He's now doing it full time as well. So it's, it's kind of his thing now. Okay. And, and so this was just a, it was a, so this is back in like 2011, I think, or 2012. Actually, he's been working on it for seven years. We've been, it was launched seven years ago. Uh, so 2013, before he started it in 2012, we didn't launch it kind of straight away. But it was it was a flat file content management system. So I mean, all the all the content management systems that we used at the time were backed by some kind of database. So whether it's WordPress or Expression Engine or any of those kind of content management systems, and most sites had a hard time scaling with that. So in so so at any time a site got a lot of traffic for whatever reason if you didn't have caching set up properly and, and all that kind of stuff it would they, they would have a hard time scaling and so we came up with this idea was like why do we need a database it's just mostly just like it's just mostly text when when you kind of build a site even when you have a blog post it's mostly text with some images in it so why do we need a d- database to host all that information and so we built a system that used the flat files instead of a d- database so it was really oh. fast and it would really perform really well and that like i said that one is now there i think they're up to version three of that now and it's, it's used at some really pretty large sites that that actually i think sana uses it there's a wow. there's a there's a newspaper in germany that like a national newspaper in germany wow. that uses it as well and, and things like that so again that was just one of these crazy fun weird ideas that we had that turned into this this, this kind of amazing thing <laughs> nice and what was the idea behind pod hunt i listen to a lot of podcasts i'm hopefully trying to be on a few as well uh, but i do listen to a lot of them as well and it's always hard to find what are the really good podcasts not just podcast shows but what what, what are really good podcast episodes to kind of listen to because like if you look at some of the really popular podcasts now they've been around for five to ten years and some of them publish new episodes every day even and you know even some kind of once a week or whatever but that means that they've got hundreds if not thousands of episodes that you could listen to if you find them kind of fairly recently and so it was always it was always very hard when i would try and find new podcasts to, 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 to kind of listen to if you looked at like what's the, the most popular podcast, it was always like the same top 10 or 20 podcasts and they would just list the podcast itself. 
And so the idea for Pod Hunt was rather than just listing podcasts, we would actually list individual episodes. So if you listen to a particular episode of a particular podcast uh, and you thought it was really good because of who they interviewed, because of the, just because of what it was about and stuff, you could list just that particular episode. And so, so it kind of it uses the same kind of scheme as product hunt in terms of people submit stuff, people upvote things, and, and we kind of build a, a leaderboard of of what's what what what, what was posted. But it was mostly just as as a way of kind of again, it was something of interest to me because I listened to a lot of podcasts, so I was, had an interest there. And then just try and do something a little bit different than kind of everybody else was, which is here's the top 100 podcasts. But it wasn't, it was like, here's the top 100 podcast shows, but then you still have to go and hunt down, okay, well, which, I can't listen to all 300 episodes that were, that were in this podcast. Which, which specific episode should I actually go and listen to instead? Right. Especially audio as a category, not only the audio search engine recommendation thing, audio as a category has a long way to go. And along with that, I guess book recommendations are also broken. Goodreads is not very good at recommending you good books. I think a lot of times people rely a little bit too much on kind of AI and sort of algorithms and things. I think algorithms will have a long way to go <laughs> in terms of understanding what people really like and, and kind of what's good and what's not. It still takes, to, you still have to train the algorithms and I still don't think we have enough information out there to, to kind of train the algorithms well. And obviously that's that's just changing over time as there's more information out there and, and, and things like that. But so I think right now it's still kind of a manual thing. That's why PodHunt is all kind of manual. People submit stuff, people upvote things and it's all very manual thing. Somebody said, shared one episode of this podcast and then I got to know of PodHunt. And then I listened to your episodes on Indie Bytes. James belongs to the same weekend club that I am in. And then I, when I was reading about you, I saw that that was your product. It's a small world. <laughs> right. And what are your favorite podcast episodes? There's been a few on, on kind of Indie Hackers and stuff. I mean, I, I like the, the, sort of, the sort of stories of, you know, sort of a lot, a lot of the things that kind of we've talked about where, where people just make things and they, and they don't really don't really have a plan for something to be really big and massive and stuff, but they just make stuff because they like to make stuff and then it turns into something, you know, really awesome as well. So, so I, I think the, I think the Indie Hackers podcast has kind of a lot of those kind of stories. And if you go to Pod Hunt, you'll, you'll kind of find a lot of those as well. Yeah. But, but so I think, you know, I love listening to sort of those kind of stories where it's, where it's just people just kind of sharing their, their experiences and, 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 how they how they became somewhat famous just because they did something but it wasn't but it wasn't really their plan right in terms of trying to make that happen <laughs> and what are your thoughts on focusing on one or two different ideas or say taking a lot of small bets and mm -hmm. trying a lot of different ideas I mean, obviously, I, obviously, I like to do a lot of things because you right. know when you get to when you have so many projects sort of over the time over the years. I think it depends on kind of who you are and how much time you have and and, and things like that. If you have a full time job, you should stick with it as long as you can. Like I know some people say you should quit your job, pick one idea, and just kind of run with it 100 percent and succeed or fail. It's going to happen. I've I've always been a little bit more. Maybe it's just because of the way I was raised or something. But if you've got a job that you're not, that you don't hate, then if you can work on in, in weekends and evenings and things like that, 
you can experiment with like a few different ideas and, and, and kind, of, kind of see what might work. I think it's important to experiment because you don't know what you want to do and you don't know what the user wants. So, I mean, it, it's fine picking one idea. And if you're, if you're really, really, really passionate and you absolutely 100% convinced that the future is going to look like whatever this thing that you're trying to make is like, if you're, if you're Mark Zuckerberg and, and your main vision is that there's going to be a social <laughs> media platform out there that everybody on the planet will be on, then you pick that one idea and kind of run with it. But if you're just... If you if you don't if you don't have something that you're that passionate about that you're that absolutely certain is going to be the way that the world will be in the next twenty or thirty years, then just then just just then just try a few things. See what see see what is interesting to you. See what's interesting at the market, and see if there's an overlap there. And 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 I think with a lot of those things, you don't know what that is until you actually try it. So so that's why I I, I always like to say maybe not take after me and have like a hundred <laughs> ideas out there, but maybe have like two or three that you can experiment with instead. And you're collaborating with Nathan Latka on Founder Path. So how did that happen? Well, that started as a side project actually. So a friend of, a, I guess a, a mutual friend introduced us. And, and so we, we built a, a little, a little site called Operation Pi. This is, I think 18 months ago now, uh, maybe even, Two years ago now, I think we, we kind of worked on this little fun side project called Operation Pi. And then, so that was just another way for us to work together, see if we like working together on stuff, see if we, in terms of how we work and kind of what our personalities are and sort of all that kind of stuff. And then, and then, so we, we, we just kind of, we, we built a couple of quick little side projects and things like that. I just kind of had some f- fun working on stuff. And then Nathan had the idea for, found a path and he asked me if I wanted to if I wanted to work on it and then so now that that's actually my full-time thing right now and so so it's, it was a pretty exciting it was, it was pretty exciting to have something that just started off as kind of like a little fun thing that we did that has now turned into into something and somebody now that I get to work with kind of all the time instead and Nathan is a very interesting guy. He has all these hacks for everything that he does, whether it was his <laughs> podcast or his magazine yep. or the book that he wrote. So are there any lessons that you picked up from him while working on Founder Path? No, well, no. I mean, I, th- I think one of the reasons that we kind of, that we ended up working together was that we, we did have a very similar style in terms of working, in terms of we're both like working really hard and we like working really fast as well, right? Like, there's, there's some people that I've worked with over the years who are like meticulous planners, right? Like they need to plan everything out in terms of, yeah, we're going to put this word here and we're going to put, they're going to make this thing, this color and this size and everything is all kind of laid out and we have a plan for everything. And he and I are both like, we'll figure it out along the way, right? Like, I mean, it's like we have this idea of what we want to do and we'll kind of work out the specifics as we kind of have to. And I think that's one of the things I really like about working with him is that, we, we build things really fast. Like he'll call me up. His mother got this idea. We should do this on the site. And within a few hours, we kind of have that new thing live on the site. And we don't have to like spend weeks like planning it and kind of organizing it and, and trying to work it out. So uh, that's been, that's been really awesome to, to kind of work. And obviously you can't always work like that, but, but it's, that's, I think, I think, I think really just that, that's why we do these little, that's why I, I at least do all these little fun side projects first to see if, if this is the kind of person that I want to work with. Is, is this 
personality-wise and how people like to work-wise, are, are, are they the sort of person that I want to work with? And I think if, if you can find people that you like working with, it doesn't, it, it, it kind of almost doesn't matter what you work on because whatever you work on, I think will be successful because you're enjoying what you're doing, you're enjoying who you work with and you're having fun working with the people that you kind of like working with. And then the work is just kind of almost, it almost d- d- doesn't matter what the idea is, it's not a completely stupid idea. I think, I think it ends up being successful just because you like to do it. And what are your tips for uh, organizing a decent product hunt launch, say? I mean, I mean, first and foremost, you have to build something good, right? <laughs> like, you have to really focus on your product and make sure that that's something that people will actually want to actually, actually use. I, I think a lot of people, a lot, a lot of times people are worried too much about like finding a hunter and, and trying to get the sort of launch squared away that they forget sometimes that you actually have to focus on the products first and get that to the point where it's, where it's a hundred percent. Because I mean, although you can, you can have other opportunities to kind of launch and, and, and potentially re, re, relaunch things, making a first impression is hard. And if you don't do it well, it, it's not going to be the end of the world. But it's just going to make it harder in terms of continuing to grow your thing. So don't put yourself into a hole if you don't have to. When you post on Product Hunt, you get to choose like the title, the tagline, the images that you use to kind of show people what your product is, right? It's not always required to use whatever name that you have for your product. That doesn't have to be the title that you put on the on the Product Hunt page. What, what even the icon that you use for your logo and stuff isn't necessarily what you have to put on the product hunt page. I think you have to think about who is who are the people on product hunt. Who are the and how are they? How how is your product going to serve them? Not necessarily who your perfect customer is and 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 who your ideal user is, but you have to think about what you're launching on product hunt. So who are the people on product hunt and how can we best serve? those people with the thing that we're just about to kind of launch. So for example, when we launched FounderPath on, on Product Hunt, we kind of realized that the sort of ideal customer for FounderPath is like this established SaaS company who's doing five to 10,000 bucks a month in MRR, who wants to borrow some money so they can expand. And we're like, well, and honestly, we're not going to get a lot of people like that on products on right like there's just there's just not that many people out there in that and and so what 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 we tried to think about was what's the thing that founderpod can do for the people on product on so rather than focusing on the sort of the the access to capital and the sort of the sort of funding that we could give founders we we also have in FounderPath this awesome set of revenue analytics tools. So you can connect your Stripe account and we'll tell you what your churn rate is, what your LTV is, what your what your customer distribution risk is, and all sorts of things like that. So when we launched on Product Hunt, rather than saying, look, we can lend you money based on your MRR and stuff like that, we're like, look, as a as a early stage company who's just trying to understand, who's just launching, you've got a few customers, why don't you connect your tools and we can help you with your revenue analytics to kind of tell you what's healthy, what's not healthy. So really think about what can your product do for the, for the users on Product Hunt rather than whoever your ideal customer is. 
Right. And what are your thoughts on no-code tools and how empowering are they at this point in time and the future of no-code tools? It's still early, right? Uh, it feels like they've been around for a while, but I think it's still early in, in, that, in, in that they're becoming more and more powerful all the time. And I think it's really awesome. I think it's gonna, it will mean that a lot more people are going to launch a lot more things, which I think is awesome. Software will finally eat the world, hopefully. <laughs> but no, I, th I think it's very good. A lot of the people that used to come to me and say, hey, Mubs, can you help me build this thing? I think a lot of people are kind of waiting now. Like they're, they're using the no-code tools to get as far as they can. They're building successful companies that do the thing that they want to do. It may not do it perfectly. It may not do it exactly the way they want to do it, but it but it's the point where they can do it themselves now and they don't need an engineer kind of straight away. Now, eventually most of those companies will get to the point where it'll be like, okay, we can't just use off the tools, like, sort of off the shelf tools anymore. We want to build something custom instead. But at that point, you've already proven that you have a successful enterprise. People are paying you and, and it's worthwhile investing that sort of time and kind of energy into building something custom. And so that, that's where I think the sort of no-code tools are really awesome is it helps you prove your idea, right? If, you're, if your idea is to build a tool in a, specific, in a specific niche, in a specific industry, with no code, you can get there really fast and actually see if, it, if, if what you think is actually real or not. Right. And what are your sources of content consumption? Are there certain people or books that you follow to consume good content? I read books from time to time and stuff. Mostly I just hang out on things like Indiacas there's a certain group of people like the people that I met on products and things, people I know who like to create and make things like I do. I make sure I, f I follow all of those people on, on Twitter and, and, and kind of things like that. And just kind of keep an eye on what people are talking about, keep an eye on the sort of struggles that people are having and things like that. And, and just kind of keep, keeping up on things like indie hackers and and, and, kind of, and obviously listening to lots of podcasts as well. And who are some of the most interesting people you have met on Product Hunt and Indie Hackers? Oh, that's a good question. Ben Tussel, who runs MakerPad. And I've also worked with him on a few tools as well and a few ideas as well. So I think yeah, him and, and Param Kanstein is also in the whole Hocodes space as well. He's Ram K on Twitter and things like that too. And on, on the Indie Hackers side, just actually being able to talk to Colton Allen and stuff who actually uh, founded Indie Hackers as well. Uh, just because uh, he, he just knows the space really well. and just really understands it as well. So there's a few in the podcasting space, like Justin Jackson, who yeah. runs Transistor FM, I think is really awesome. Not just in, in, podcasting but i think he's got a lot of interesting thoughts on kind of indie hacking and and side projects and things like that too and if you had to choose one person who is successful according to maybe your definition of success or your metric of success who would that be i've known josh pigford for a really long time online wow. never met in person or anything like that so i met so this is going back to like 2011, I think. I, I built a very, very small store with him many, many, many long time ago. Wow. And so I've known him online for a really long time. And he just sold. And it's good money that he was able to put in his pocket. I would like to be at some point, like whether it's with Founder Path or, or with something else, where it's like you, you, you get to the point where you've, you've kind of worked on something for a while. It's successful. You can exit. 
and then you kind of have the freedom to do whatever you want, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that Josh is never going to ever work again because I think he will work again because that's his personality and I think it's my personality too. Even if I had a very big exit or whatever, I would still be working. And so, but I think just having that flexibility and that option to kind of do whatever you want to do, I think that to me is like, the, it, it, that's the success. It's not like whether you sold for $100 million or $200 million or, or if you sold for 100 thousand but what what whatever that means for you so that you now have the freedom to actually do the thing that you want to do that to me i think is successful interesting and uh, so if you had to give advice to somebody early in their entrepreneurial journey what would that be you have to kind of understand where you want to be and in so if you want to go work for a unicorn, then there's a certain path that you have to take. If you want to just build a su- successful business that's going to pay your salary and, and be able to sustain you, that that's a whole other path that you have to take. So I, I always like to say you kind of need to know where you want to go so that you can start the journey to get there. But I think which, whichever route you end up taking, because I think, I think even though they're very separate routes, I think it's very, very important to start building your personal brand and your personal relationships as well. And the sooner you can start doing that, the easier it becomes to have the success that you're looking for. And for a long time, I didn't like to blog. I didn't like to do videos on YouTube and all sorts of things like that. And, and not because I didn't like to create the content or anything like that. Part, part of it was I didn't want to be out there and, and kind of have my face out there and, and be out there a lot. And, and I wish I had done that earlier because I think I'd be much further on now in terms of reach and people I know. And even though I've done really well over the years in terms of being able to work with you know, lots of really awesome people and make lots of really cool things, I don't think I did a very good job of just like building a parand of myself earlier on in my c- career. I waited till much later in my career to kind of start that. And I think if I was if I was doing that now, if I was 21, 2016, I mean, I know there's some some people on Twitter that, that you follow, you know, that, that I follow on, on Twitter and stuff who are like 16 years old and they're making <laughs> awesome things. But I know who they are and they're building a personal parent. Even if even if the thing that they're building isn't something I'm going to use or the sort of next thing they build and the next thing I, that, that, that they build after that will be, I'm pretty sure about that. So I think, so if you're young and doing, think about, Think about who you're, what you're projecting about yourself, and and start to attract the kind of people that you want to work with in in the in the future as well.